A look around the corner and you'll find the playoffs. We're going to dissect it all this week on the Indie Report Podcast. All right, back again. Episode number, I didn't write it down, so I have to think quickly. It's 233 this week. And uh, for some reason, people keep kicking around, hanging around, including Ryan, who's here again and probably going to be here indefinitely. I'm dead inside, so it really doesn't matter what I do. Well, we're going to continue on. and uh, <laughs> Well, that's good. <laughs> I was going to say everyone on this show is dead inside. The ones that aren't leave. So... <laughs> <laughs> I will. But... <laughs> any case, we have some news this week. There's some contract purchases, and then we'd actually like to talk a lot of baseball because contrary to popular belief, this is still a baseball show, and this is supposed to be the most, like, baseball-y time of year, I guess is the way to phrase it. Uh, there's playoffs that are literally 10 days away. So, you know, that'd be pretty cool to talk about those. You know, two seasons wrapping up in, like, 10 days is probably newsworthy. At least in the past five years, I've done it. That has been newsworthy. So, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, talking baseball is what I'm here to do. Essentially, it's just we tend to get off topic because of who we are as people. But we'll try to do better. You know, it's easier to do when there's like playoff action going on. So, I think I, I'm feeling good about it. Uh, we should talk about news so that we can get to baseball. We're going to kick it off with Sioux City. This is a place that normally doesn't get talked about much, and it also angers the hell out of me that they are technically their legal name. The city of Sioux City. That angers me a lot. But there's just so much redundancy there. However, the Sioux City Explorers do not have a lease for next season. They are currently uh, going to be up on their lease on April, I believe it was 27th of 2024, notably about two weeks before the season begins. Uh, the city is taking requests for proposals uh, for all interesting parties, these RFPs are due by the 8th of September, and the town hopes to, or I suppose city, hopes to have a decision made uh, 30 days after that on the 8th of October. Uh, these proposals are going to be scored across four categories. It's going to equal a total score of 100. Scope is going to make up the vast majority. That's scored on a 0 to 50. Uh, qualification content is 0 to 20. Community outreach is 0 to 20. And then geographical location is 0 to 10. Every proposal is going to get a score. And then uh, I suppose the highest score is going to get priority on trying to make something happen in that regard. Obviously, if that highest proposal is not the Explorers, that's going to be a bit of a problem for both the uh, American Association and the Explorers. I think that'd be a fair uh, assessment to make there. And seeing how the Apollos went, I don't think that's a route they want to go down. However, that said, uh, obviously, they should have some sort of, you know, angle in on this, even if they were beefing last year about seats and seating in the ballpark. So that is something to watch out for. Yeah, and I think it's relevant because if you look at at least the ballpark digest numbers, which I know you probably wouldn't because obviously there's some tension there. Uh, I would love to look like, at them. I just, I'm not allowed to. I'm banned from there. <laughs> um, at the bottom of the 46 partner league teams uh, in attendance last season was the Jackals at 52,000. Uh, less than 100 fans per game, or less than 100 fans total above them was uh, Sioux City. 
and then Yikes. it was like 8,000 fans until you reach the next team. Um, as for attendance per game, the Jackals had 1,022 last season. Sioux City had 1,109, so less than 100 more. And then you have to go almost another 100 up to Sioux Falls before you find another team. So Sioux City, I mean, I, I assume they'll probably, I, I haven't, I'm trying to find their attendance numbers now. Um, but I, I mean, they have not been a consistent attendance draw. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, there's, uh, I could see some issues there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't pan out, honestly. I mean, yeah, they're clearly not much of a draw here. I also like how this is about to kind of sort of be a Jackals catching strays thing. Cause I do remember last year during this whole Hinchcliffe move, which was about the same time. I've kind of vaguely remember. Me and Will going, well, it can't get much worse attendance-wise, and oh, well, it can, but any oh, of... Baba. <laughs> oh, if only we knew. Uh, which, their final attendance numbers are in for their Hinchcliffe year. They have two home games left, but they're both at Skylands, because things. Uh, but back in back to Iowa quickly. Yeah, it, they're not doing great there. It's obviously an older ballpark as well. Uh, there hasn't been much of a consistent product on the field. It's been very, you know, up and down. You have those organizations in indie ball that are, you know, perennially contending, perennially putting out a quality product on the field. I think Quebec immediately in that. I think Kansas City for the most part when I think of that. I think Long Island certainly as well. So you have those kinds of teams. You obviously have others that... You know, they may not always be putting out a good product, but they're doing something either with their ballpark or in-game experience, which then quite clearly drives people to the ballpark or they take advantage of it. It feels to me like Sioux City either doesn't have that population anymore that particularly cares about baseball or the team itself has allowed it to kind of get to the point where they're no longer a mainstay and a draw. Obviously, if they're opening up a bid proposal for the first time in, say, what, 30 years or so, that's probably not a good indication and probably says a lot about what the city feels about the team, whether that be their personal dealings with the team or what they believe that that land and that stadium can be. Obviously, it means then they don't think that uh, the Explorers are living up to their full potential or at least the full potential of that region, of that particular piece of infrastructure. So... That's obviously concerning. So, yeah, I, I could see this going south in that regard. At the same point in time, though, there is something to be said about just continuing to do business with the person that you know, right? Like, the devil you know is a bit better because at least there's some predictability there. You throw a little bit more in there. Maybe you go with a short-term lease, maybe say a two- to three-year lease as a, hey, this is a wake-up call to you, get it together kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I could see that being an option there. Plus... Who knows what the future holds across the board, not just in the American Association, but in the other partner leagues as well. If Carrie Wall could get a little turbulent in the future, I think would be fair to say. And if you have that in the back of your mind, it probably changes the discourse around that particular conversation, both with the team, what the league's going to try to have a say in there. And I also imagine with the government itself, that can be something that maybe works against them too, certainly. If the landscape seems very uncertain, do you want a volatile product in a uh, publicly owned stadium? Or do you want something that's a bit more secured and figured out? First following up, um, their attendance this year is the worst in the league. Um, 
per game rate. It's by about 30 people per game, which isn't a huge deal. But uh, if you that's Cleburne, uh, but they're about 300 plus per game less than the next closest team in attendance. Um, that's a tough scene. Um, again, it's trusting the reported attendance numbers, but down at the bottom, you can usually trust it. And if anything else, it's an exaggeration, which is pretty wild. Um, mm. So there's that. Uh, the other thing, it just feels like issues in work and in life flare up. Like it is what it is. Like, you know, whether it's friendships or it's business partnerships or it's, you know, something like the town and the city, like, it happens and people move on, but I mm. am a believer in it can only happen so often. And they've had issues in the past, and, and I'm not as well versed on those issues because I was covering the America, the Atlantic at the time. Yeah. But now they're having issues again, and this is not a very long break since the last issue. So, mm-hmm. it, the more frequently it happens, the higher likelihood that this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And I don't know, man. Like. This is a conversation we're not necessarily trying to get into today, but like just with the rumor swirling of relocation and shuffling of leagues um, between the indie leagues and new markets and different markets and all that stuff, I don't know that the American Association necessarily needs Sioux City. Like that's the hard truth of it. Yeah. I mean, you and I see all these like we how many people we interact with on Twitter. This is the kind of way I base it off of a lot of times. It's like how many people like I got like loyal. New Jersey Jackals fans in my DMs, despite the year they've got. Like, yeah. we know a, a couple of passionate Evansville fans and Gastonia fans. And Even all Sussex. This. Like, yeah, dude, like, I have never interacted, and maybe this will draw somebody out of the woodwork, and that's good. And because I like having connections to people, and that's the yeah. revenue ball, and especially in every market, but like, I've never seen any sort of fan presence for Sioux City. Like, even like their big tweets don't do much. Like, uh, yeah. it's a tough scene, man. Like, Everything it's about a tough them scene. Is, yeah, yeah, it's very bland, it's just, to be honest. I mean, and under the radar. I mean, how much merch can they possibly move? I, I don't know, man. It, it just so much about it is just uh, like the ballpark itself. I've looked into a little bit, and it's not a big draw. Like, it, it, like the ballpark itself. And this isn't about anybody in that organization. This isn't about anybody. I think it's just about the team and the resources and like the limitations you run into. Um, I don't know. This has the feel of something that if it doesn't kill this year, it's going to kill it next year or something like that. Like, I really think it's more likely than not that this becomes a bigger issue going forward, which is a bold thing. I don't know enough about it, but just the feel, the feel is bad. I don't yeah. know if you got that too. That's the thing too. Like I look at it and there's somewhere it's like, okay, this isn't great. Like, I feel like a pretty good comparison here, and it's not a one for one because the city's a lot bigger, and the players in it are a lot more impactful in their region. But it's probably the closest one for one. Will be kind of like when Winnipeg was doing their thing with the lease for Shaw Park. It's a bit different because Katz was a uh, a mayor of Winnipeg at one point, so there's a mm. lot more built up, you know, connection, a lot more built up uh, in the bank. For people he's dealing with, he knows these people, he knows how the system works, he knows how to negotiate and all that goes along with it. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone at any point really felt scared that Winnipeg was not going to work out. That Winnipeg always Mm. felt like, okay, it's going to be there, it'll be fine. Especially with the ballpark that they have, it was like, okay, the city's not going to let that sit dormant, it has to be a professional team, it's not going to make sense for summer ball there. 
and no other league's going to really want to go for it. So there's a lot that goes towards that. With Sioux City, attendance isn't great. Geography-wise, like, yeah, it's nice where it is because you're kind of close to Lincoln. You're right there with Sioux Falls. You're not that far from, say, Kansas City. It's definitely the place you can kind of stop on your way to on your way back if you're one of those Chicago cluster teams. Like, geographically, it's fine, but it's not indispensable. And it certainly fits in, especially with that ballpark, for, you know, maybe some nicer summer college leagues, right? Like a prospects league. Mm -hmm. It's not a crazy thing to say, hey, you know, it fits there. Maybe that's for the best for everyone especially if that market doesn't particularly care. It's obviously upsetting because that's one of the original markets. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's one of the oldest teams around. So to lose them would be from a historic standpoint, from a nerd standpoint, as are most of the people listening to this and both people here. You know, it's sad from that perspective. And obviously from the fact of regardless of whether or not a form of baseball stays there or not, if it's any sort of a downgrade to a, you know, either semi-pro or just straight up amateur level, then there's going to be people losing jobs. Like there yeah. isn't a scenario where that doesn't happen. And that's obviously upsetting for anyone that wants to work in the sport industry and obviously upsetting for anyone that's losing their job. You don't want to lose your job. So that part is upsetting here. But from just an on paper perspective, it feels like the Explorers have kind of served their purpose. And yeah, 30 years is a long time to build something up for. But at a certain point, you have to start saying, have they outlived their usefulness? And it feels like we're getting close to that point. Uh, yeah, I agree. And again, I don't know. I, I Especially when it comes to markets that I'm not in as much and it's hard to get a feel for it. It's I look at a lot of weird things are kind of picked up on over time that can be an indicator of things. It doesn't mean it is a fact. It's just little things that point to like, what's the vibe going on? One is I watch the games. I watch a number of Sioux City games. They're in the race this year. The vibe is always quiet. There's a lot of empty seats. Um, beyond that, it's weird things. Like, okay, I looked up the ballpark. <laughs> this is... This is a dumb one, but it's something that I, I have tracked before, and it's just interesting to see. It's of note. Little things like if you look up their ballpark, it's 4.5 stars and it has six reviews. Okay. If you look up Wild Health Field in Le- in Lexington, it has 1,100 reviews plus. Okay, it's a bigger market, no problem. Gastonia is a ballpark that's been open for like three years in a town that's exactly the same size, and they have 360 reviews. Yeah, it's a dumb thing to point to. I'm leading with that. But yeah. in all the times people have gone, only six people really felt enough of an urge to yeah. like say something. Like I mean, it's if, weird stuff like that. Like it's not getting even a negative reaction. It's just kind it, of It's just there. there. It it doesn't inspire engagement's the point. Yeah. And like I always subscribe to like the local like news stuff in all these markets just to yeah. get little scoops on stuff and just to get the feel. And bro, Sioux City like doesn't pop on like even like Google notifications outside of the stuff they post. It's not again. I I know this ain't it. This is just from somebody who isn't you know there frequently enough to talk about it. But I would say I've seen a lot of this at this point between indie teams and their their market and their city. And this does have the feel of like 
bad vibes for sure. And I, I guess you're kind of feeling the same thing at this point. Am I right? Yeah, I'm kind of there too. And okay. also I did a, uh, did the same thing you just did. And I looked up Yogi Berra, which I think is about the same age. It was built late nineties. Uh, I'm not sure population wise, it's probably more people in the greater, you know, Montclair area than there is in Sioux city. I don't know what the population difference would be, but in any event, four and a half stars on 473 ratings. And apparently I rated them at one point. <laughs> I don't remember doing that. I gave them four stars, which, you know, honestly, that's, that's probably too high for them, but whatever there. Uh, any case though. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on the similar level there too. I just don't know what the draw is. And plus I just from a business perspective, I wonder what the economic driver looks like around there. Like what's that economy looking like? Cause I imagine it's, well, yeah, it says city in there. I got to imagine it's still fairly agrarian. And if that's the case, then is that popping off right now? Or is that not doing so hot? Because if it's not doing so hot, then that could be a problem too. It is. I don't know. It, the stadium itself is kind of in like an entertainment district of sorts, but that just means it has like a little go-kart track. Oh, well, uh, that doesn't mean anything. Center, an ice center, bowling lanes. Oh, so it has um, more competition around it. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what I look. These are all family like, activities that are drawing away from the ballpark, especially if it's a it hot is, night. It's like, hey, like this indoor thing we could do instead. Yeah, I mean, what's always struck me is like the bulk if you were to zoom out like on the satellite image and like catch kind of like the northern end of the city, the southern end of the city, mm. the bulk of what you're looking at is still fields. It's fine. Like I'm still a believer. Like, I mean, there's pioneer teams that draw well, so it doesn't mean anything. It's just that. Yeah. Uh, okay. We just want to wrap it into a conversation we've had before. Yeah. It's an agricultural city. Um, for the most part it is people who are working hard for money and mm. it's people who value the dollar and if they are going to let a dollar leave their wallet that could otherwise go to their family whether it's the vacation it's the food on the table it's the clothes on the backs whatever then you gotta earn it that's just the way it is yeah. and like maybe they didn't always have to you know Sioux City being like 30 years old they came up in the good days of like Indian minor baseball like but I'm again, just from what I see, the Google notifications I get of like everything with them, which also usually pumps the marketing of teams into my inbox just so I can get a feel. I don't know that they are generating the value unless you're one of their like loyal fans. I don't know that they're doing what it takes to bring people back and become a must see item in a city, which is a shame because I honestly do think in a town like Sioux City, if the Explorers were really delivering a hell of a product, they probably could become like a must do thing. Like Friday night, they wouldn't be reporting. What was it? Their Thursday attendance was 818. Mm-hmm. Seems like they popped to about 2000 tonight, at least in the reported attendance. Who knows? But like, that's a good thing. I think it's their last series of the year, which is going to push it too. But those could be more consistent numbers and that would double their normal attendance. And, and that, that's there. But I, I do wonder if that's kind of what a lot of this is coming from. That's a tough ballpark, by the way. It's um, only about one third, one quarter surrounded by stands. Oh, sure oh yeah. Outfield. And then the outfield's kind of weird with yeah, a mixture of berms and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm looking yeah. up the uh, population of Sioux City. It's about 85,000. Um, exactly the same as Gaston, man. Crazy. Yeah. And like, honestly, it fits kind of like right in line there with like 
Wayne Montclair population. Montclair is about 40,000 and then Wayne's about 50,000. So yeah, Jack Larry is actually kind of a decent comparison. In any case, let's switch over to a, another American Association team that may have a bit of an issue with uh, scheduling. And that would yep. be the Milwaukee Milkmen because as pointed out on Twitter, the American Association playoff schedule was released and round one supposed to happen six through nine. The issue is eight and nine at Franklin Field, the home of the Milkmen, the Savannah Bananas are playing games. I believe there's three of them. There's a doubleheader on the Sunday where the game would be being played and then one game on the eighth. So, and the Milkmen are supposed to play uh, the Bananas for all this as part of the World Tour thing. Yeah. It's the home ballpark, you know, to provide mm-hmm. the other team. Now, that part I don't think is really hard to solve. That probably is just renegotiate part of the contract, take a slightly lesser cut to cover the expense of bringing, say, the party animals in, the other team yeah. that normally plays. That's easy to solve. I mean, hell, you can even just, you know, throw together whatever team you want to go play them realistically it's like the harlem globe Trotters. we don't care about the game we care about the entertainment so that's an easy problem to solve the bigger problem is hosting a playoff game at the same time or the same day as the banana exhibition here and i don't think it's a stretch to say the bananas are draw here i don't think that's mm-hmm. but when you have a playoff game for league integrity that has to take precedence but if you're the owner of the ballpark, finance is the thing that takes precedence there. So I'm curious to see how this is going to get handled. I've seen thrown around that like maybe we move where the playoff game is. Maybe we move it to Lake Country. But the issue that becomes there is what if Lake Country has to play a game? Like what if that's a thing? I also saw that there's yeah. another conflict down the line, but that's only if they get to the actual uh, league championship series. So, yeah, but the general overall problem is they're kind of double booked at the moment, barring, you know, Milwaukee just falling out of the sky in the next 10 days. All right. Yeah, I have so many thoughts here, and I'm going to try to, again, keep us on baseball, so I'm not going to try to dive too deeply necessarily. Um, Well, hold on, because Milwaukee has won, Milwaukee is in the playoffs, so they have a problem to solve. Yeah. Um, marking them at Assume that the, there is the condition, of course, assuming that they don't like absolutely bottom out. That is the thing. If they bottom out, they may not be hosting. True, but still they have to be playing. Of course, it does solve the home away issue. Because yeah. my other thing is like, okay, play at Lake Country. Cool. Every baseball fan in the area is going to the bananas. <laughs> like, yeah. It's still a huge problem. Um, and look, it's not the end of the day. Like, I mean, it's not the end of the world. I mean, they've got. Um, you hate really it when shame, you're but... shooting yourself in the foot, putting a game in a different park, probably paying some sort of rental to them for that. Yeah. Just to get no one to show. That's this is a bad scenario. I, you have to assume they ran it by the league. Like, you can't just drop stuff in your schedule like this. Though I will say, I feel like this was scheduled months I ago. Feel like Lexington might have done that when they put in that college tournament last year and then shuffled things around all of a sudden genomes and legends didn't have a game for a week in the middle of their season um i feel like that wasn't fully communicated but the only thing is a different communication situation i think the americans are a little more on top of it um 
I don't know, man. How, like, how do you think this went down? Like, what a choice. And like, I get it. It's hard to turn down the money. If that's the date they're giving you, that's the date they're giving you. I figured it out, but I mean, yeah. dude, like, like that's, that's the thing I figure crazy. I feel like it was basically that, like, Hey, we can fit you in, in these possible dates. And they said, Oh, there's a weekend there. We'll take that. And it was as simple as that. I mean, the bananas are such a draw that it's hard to say no to that and to get your cut on that, especially again, if you're in the business of just whatever's going to make the most we put in there, then yeah, it makes sense. And also keeping in mind that whole area has been really been getting built up. There's a top golf there. They just hosted an all-star game. There's a lot going for that Franklin region there. So obviously the, goal is to be an entertainment hub and the bananas are entertainment there so i think that's the bulk of it i can't imagine the league's thrilled about this there's no, no. scenario which comes way you know with a, a sterling result here looking just you know at the actual playoff dates real quick i mean six through nine is technically the division series i suppose much of the chagrin I got to imagine of Anthony Barone and the players would be if you played on the sixth at home and then the, did the last two on the road, essentially you forfeit your home field advantage kind of thing. I mean, like you could in theory do that, um, you know, or, you know, I, that seems to be one possible solution there because then at least you play those last two on the road and you're not fighting the bananas for your audience. But that doesn't seem like a really great and optimal scenario. I mean, there's... I hate to say that you could go just play 6-7 and then if need be, you play on 10. That... That is an option there, and then force a really shitty travel situation so that way they'd be ready to go on 11. I'm just thinking that through. Yeah, I mean, I guess, oh, man. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm also preoccupied thinking about how the league must feel about this. It's weird they said it was cool to do. I get it. Like, it's, you know, a quick way to make owners mad if you're like turning down a big payday like the bass coming in. Yeah. The more I hear about Jesse Cole, the more I do think he's the kind of guy who would pick Milwaukee and then Milk is like, oh, wait, that's our playoffs. Can we find another date? And he'd be like, deuces, don't care. Um, started bursting on this bubble on Jesse Cole. But yeah. what a bit. I don't know. Because I'm trying to think of it in so many ways. I'm trying to, like, Again, I was in baseball ops last year, and I'm like, dude, what's the locker room like here in that? Oh, it looks God. like clubhouse vibe. I'm like, oh, you schedule something for the playoffs? Like, oh, okay, F me then. Like, and so you thought you thought we weren't going to make it, or we either we weren't going to make it, and you were going to pay us to hang around and play the bananas, or we were going to make it in during slash pre-playoffs you were going to have us play the bananas like that's my thing i don't think i don't understand the angle like because it's like oh the conflict that we thought could have happened happened i'm thinking of it from the other side like okay if they didn't make it are you keeping these dudes in town to play the bananas after they lose out of the season 
What? What's that game check like then? Because as a player, I kind of would expect a little bit more. Right? The bananas make at least, I think, I think it says about 150 a night. Um, I better be seeing that yeah. if I'm on the team. Exactly, because um, now you're throwing everything in the flux, too. I mean, you're for a lot of guys, especially like if you look at that Milwaukee roster, there's guys there that could absolutely go get an Atlantic League job. Sure, and also, I mean, you saw what's-his-face uh, NBA Finals, dude. Oh, shoot, I'm so bad at the NBA. Um, who's that kid in the Nuggets, the farm dude? Oh, Jokic? Damn. Yeah, you saw him at the end of it. Like, yeah. when they won, um, when they won, he was like, they told him about the parade in the press conference. He's like, when's that? And they're like, three days. And I was like, oh, I just want to go home. Like, yeah. if you aren't going somewhere, bro, you want to go home. Like, whether yeah. you just want to see your family, or like you want to start your off-season job, or you want to start your off-season training. Bro, you're telling me you got to hang around and play banana ball for your payday? Bruh, get oh, out of yeah. here on that. That Like, honestly, the more I think about them, I started in my head as like, ah, like, that sucks. Like, one of those gambles, you're like, well, it might be a conflict, it might not, but it's a big payday. I'm writing about them, I'm like, bro, what were you thinking? Like, what was the play here? Like, you got to yeah. come back to them, you got to, you, you could not, you should not have made that open as an available date. Like, that's on you. Uh, yeah. It bothers me more as I think about it more, because it's like disrespectful to players, and like, in my opinion, look, the players might not care. That's a fair point. But like, bro, if I was a player, I'd care. I wouldn't be happy. Yeah, especially if but you're then, having... Maybe you're hyped. Maybe you're hyped to play. That's a big stage. More people don't watch that game or don't watch any other game. Yeah, but how much so, of that is going to be like actual, you know, worthwhile scouting that you're going to get out of that? Oh, it won't be any. Yeah, sure. so then yeah. what's the matter if there's... Yeah, like, I hate the bananas. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So like, then what, what difference does it make Reese, if there's more uh, eyes or not? Yeah, what's his face? Reese, uh, shoot, I'm the worst. Hampton? Uh, Hampton. Chose not to play for Gastonia this year. Went there, put up numbers. He's their best player, but like homies, yeah. I mean, ain't nobody watching. Dude, they're getting eighteen thousand people watching the live stream tonight, though. Like, it's a damn good view. Like that's pretty yeah. good. Playing Des Moines, it's crazy. Oh god, but yeah, like that whole situation is so awkward now. And like the more I think about it too, like if you have a winter league job, mm-hmm. that's that's. I ain't hanging around for this. Yeah, especially me. that, or it's like you're gonna risk injuring yourself during banana ball for this. No, dude, absolutely not. No, especially if you got to start getting together. Like, if you got to work on getting your visa work together, like that's a major problem. Actually, for the dudes that got visas, I mean, like, how's that work out? That visa yeah, still I mean, good. I haven't run into. Because I have talked to a bunch of guys who have played against the bananas. So here's a great time. Uh, here's really fun. Everybody seems to enjoy it. I haven't run into anybody of the opinion of like about the injury concern, I guess, for a better term. But yeah. like, you know, people have that feel, especially postseason, like midseason, whatever, get your work in. You're already playing ball, but like yeah. you're tacking days on. Like, just from my perspective, like playing rugby before, like the worst, probably the worst injury I got was in a game that was a blowout that I fought to get back into. Yeah. And then just fully like Paul George, my ankle. Like I was like, I'm sorry. Like after that, like if I don't need to be in the game, I was the first dude on the wing to be like, yo, we're up 30, like tap myself in the head. Like I'm good. Like I don't need to be here for the same more. Like yeah. switching a B side kid. Like 
what are we doing? So yeah, I don't know, man. Especially like you're trying to make it somewhere, maybe like I don't know. The more I think about, the more bothered I am. So I'm gonna let it ride. But yeah, it. I guess to summarize my thoughts, it was short sighted. It was uh, it was a short sighted decision with blinders on, not thinking about the way it affects others, not thinking about the way it affects anything with the bottom line, which you have a right to do as a business owner. But I think it should be noted by the players. Fair. Do you think there's any sort of a solution out of this? Like, is it just move the game and hope for the best or move the dates around? Uh, I strongly suspect they'll do. I would look for an announcement in the next couple of days, probably doing the um, party animals. I can shoot a text to a couple of party animals, guys. I bet they're already on the lookout. And I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they're only playing like what Friday, Saturday, Sundays for the most part. Yeah. So, like, it's not, you know, it's not crazy. It's not like, oh my God, like, that's my day off. Like, yeah. it, so they, they're flexible, but. Uh, it just does not feel spectacular, man. It's very odd. So, yeah, it's probably going to be the party animals. Um, so that solves that. Ballpark question still in play. I mean, unless they try to double it up, but that Saturday's a mess. So, as, as you said, I mean, maybe they try to do 8th and 10th around it. But what are you doing? A Friday day playoff game? That sucks, but all right, sure, do it. Yeah. And they got to clear out for the part, the bananas to come. Like that also, so it, every option sucks. I don't know. I don't know. They, they'll probably, it was already mentioned in my play in Lake Country. I bet they do it and whatever. Honestly, is it, would it be crazy to think they play in Kokomo? I want to say something stupid. Where the hell's Kokomo? Indiana. The Just reason why I say Kokomo is, I remember when that team was founded, and for like the first week or so, the ballpark was not ready. So they played out of the same facility as the Kokomo summer team did. Hmm. So I wonder if that's a thing. And I, I don't know why, but I feel like I remember there being, I think there's a connection between the ownership group from Milwaukee and the ownership group for that Kokomo team or ballpark. I feel like there was something there, and that's why it was Kokomo. So, you know, if there is that there, maybe that makes more sense. You solve the problem of the baseball fans kind of going all over the place and now going... Michael Zimmerman owns both. You're right. There's your solution. Yeah. Put them in Kokomo. Kokomo. Yep. Wow. Damn. Good call by you. Hey, I should start writing articles. Hey, man, we took way too long on this. Sorry to everybody trying to hear baseball talk. Hey, the, the good news is we only have one other thing left to uh, get to before we get to baseball talk. So let's just knock, let's knock that out of the way so that way we can actually get into uh, baseball talk. Pioneer League's partnered with Baseball Cloud. It's data tracking analytics. We covered this when they did the thing with the Frontier League. Speaking of which, they work with the Frontier League. Whatever they're doing for them, expect them to do for the Pioneer League. It's going to help the camps and shit like that. So, uh, yeah, congratulations. Uh, they have some data advanced to them. They could find out how hard they hit a ball and how many times the baseball spins. Congrats. I mean, I think it's good. I do think that Hawkeye is trash and um, the current says Trackman is trash. So uh, it's just not designed for what they're using it for. Um, the thing is that Baseball Cloud, though, they are at least built for baseball tracking, which is a huge deal. Um, we've seen the success of similar things that are specifically designed to track baseballs and the movement of baseballs and players and all that. Um, my two gripes in the past have been there was a lot of talk previously with things that they were possibly going to do that there was no follow-through on that not necessarily is their 
it's not necessarily their fault, but it's just like, we'll see. Uh, and two is like, all right, like, yeah, you do data for these leagues. Where is it? Like they post the fastest VLO and the hardest hit ball every week. But like, I mean, I don't know. Like we're not entitled to the data of anybody for the record. Um, however, if I'm a player, the more people I can see my data, the happier I am. So I don't know. I feel like there should be a good accessible center place for us to be able to view a lot of this data. Cause I've seen, I have seen baseball cloud data, by the way, they were yeah. doing it for Lexington when I was there. It was good for the most part. A lot of it, it was good. And I think they were in the right direction. I assume they've also improved a little bit since it's just that I'm in favor of who can make that data somewhat public at least. Cause I think it's good. It's the future of uh, sports. It's the future of these leagues. And the sooner you can show that you are understanding of the future of moving that direction, I think the better it will be. All right. But uh, yes, that's about all there is for baseball clap. Let's get to the contract purchases so that way we can actually talk ball. How about that? Yep. All right. Contract purchases. Uh, 22nd, Yoshi Sitsugo. He gets his contract. Yeah, man, purchase. you got it. I know. See, that's the benefit of writing phonetically. Was a former Staten Island Ferry Hawk for all of 12 games. Gets picked up by the Giants. He's now in double A Richmond in those 12 games. He hit. Dude was a menace. He was. He hit 359, 479, 949. uh, Seven home runs. How many bombs? Seven bombs, 13 home runs, nine walks, no stolen bases. 12 games. Dude was gross. They better keep that guy under contract. Look, I know a lot of first timers in Staten Island. Keep him, keep that contract live. Like, do what you got to do. Because if he does not stick an affiliate ball or wherever, Japan, wherever he ends up going, dude, try to keep him because he was on a different planet. Yeah. Yeah. They need to, they cannot let him go to any other Atlantic League team. I think he got put on the inactive list, if I'm not mistaken. Excellent. That'll play. Good call. Rumor, by the way, that the Atlantic League might switch up roster rules and possibly have it. So if you were under their contract, Currently, uh, you cannot sign with another Atlantic League team until your contract is uh, finished with that uh, team you signed with. Uh, but there's rumors that they might try to expand that to any team, uh, mm-hmm. which is wild and would be bad. So keep an eye on that. We're not letting the Atlantic League slide on their stupid roster crap after what they did to uh, Tillman Pugh earlier this year. Yeah. So we're going to keep an eye on that. Uh, other <laughs> contract, uh, this one just came through today. Tyler J. From Joliet goes to the Mets. Does not have a landing spot yet. My guess will probably either be uh, Brooklyn or Double A Binghamton would be my guess. Uh, four and three record with a 4.26 ERA in 57 innings. He struck out 64 guys, walked only 19. So I have to imagine the strikeout and walk number is the reason why he got mm-hmm. uh, taken there. Uh, Age wise, I don't think he's that young though. So no, he's 29. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, it gotta yeah, be double like, a. He was gross last season too. Yeah. So this is now the blue. Yeah. So it gotta be like a double a thing and maybe this is just an innings deal, but Hey, either way. Yeah. I mean, double a, he did do. Okay. He, he had a sub three ERA in his high a ball experience, uh, for what, how long was he there? I always forget, uh, like 94 innings. That's whatever. 35 games, uh, double a, he did struggle. He was there for longer. Um, could not get the ERA below four. But look, man, an ERA below four in double A, and then you come back to 29-year-old, you're not fully out of place there. Um, if he was bringing, he had 7.7 straight outs for nine at the time. No, he didn't. He had yeah, 7.9. 
If he can bring that up towards like a nine, he's got a shot to keep moving. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. I'm not well versed on his stuff, but the number one lesson is if you're a guy on the bump trying to get picked up, I hate to say it. I hate to say it because nobody wants to hear it. Strikeouts, man. Strikeouts sell right now. So you're going to want to work on getting them punchies. <sighs> Terrible. It's uh, The sad part is it runs contrary to what helps your team. So, like, if you're just going for strikeouts, it'll help you get picked up. But at the same point in time, you have to get enough of them to where it won't cost you a job. How do you figure? Because if you're not, if you're allowing a lot of runs, odds are any ball guy ain't going to keep you. I understand. I understand. If you're allowing runs, yeah. Yeah, that's the point. Um, so if you're just going for uh, strikeouts, yeah. though, you're going to either be walking a shit ton of guys or you're going to wind up throwing a mistake pitch every once in a while. John DeVillo. Well, that's the thing along lines of if you're not going to go as deep in games, but if you're not, you know, he's not relying on his, he's had starts this year where that's not his bread and butter. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's the number one thing. When you're not pitching in contact enough so you can get those Ks, that can be a mess. Um, but like, if you look at his numbers last year where he was strictly relief role, it was just about the same number of Ks, a third of the walks. I mean, he was gross last season, too. I'm surprised he actually didn't get at least a look, which maybe he did. But, um, it got to be an age yeah. thing. I know, but I I think 29, I'm a believer in age just number at this point, where if you can be nasty, they don't care how old you are. You can be 57. It does not matter. See, like, on one hand, they I kind of see that, but, like, at the same point in time, through the older you are, the more polished you have to be, right? Like, you can't be reinventing yeah. yourself at that point. You're right, but, I mean... Now he has been delivering this for about two years. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I am not as down on the signing. A 29-year-old pitcher getting signed, I can typically be like, oh, he's just holding a spot this late in the year. He's just holding a spot. But, like, I think he has an opportunity where if he can deliver eight or nine strikeouts per nine innings, I think there's a chance that at least he gets somebody back to camp and has a shot next year to, like, stick in the organization. Honestly, I think like the biggest thing here is A, knowing where he's getting assigned to right now, and B, mm-hmm. is there a prospect on that team that the Mets want to see more out of? Mm, yeah, true. Um, I also think it's worth noting that Tyler, like, this is so stupid. He was a, a number six overall pick, by the way. Really? Like, that means he's been someone that has shown before that he can do this thing. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> It makes me kind of think the Mets are saying, you know what, let's roll the dice on a dude that, you know, at one point was really well thought of. Can we rehab him? He's shown a little bit here. He's worth a gamble. And at worst, he's an innings eater that helps, you know, kind of. Which, you know, it honestly makes me think more and more he's here because there's a prospect on a team the Mets want more out of. And they're like, eh, get the guy that was high picked. Maybe we could get something out of him in the room and, you know, eat innings. Yeah, um, I'm also looking. I feel like he's a Tommy John guy. He's very well could I, be. I, I don't know for sure, but he was out 2020, 2021, and then jumped in mid 2022. It looks like that um, sounds Tommy Johnny. Yeah, don't it? Um, fair. I'm just doing a quick scroll through. I have my full spreadsheet of Tommy John guys because <laughs> uh, I am well adjusted. No, I don't. No, I don't have him as having it, but it does look like it. Something came up, man. So let's just say he was out of the game <laughs> for a couple of years there. And um, well, I could tell you this much: feels more optimistic. In me. 2017, he had thoracic outlets in a surgery. 
There we go. And that's why it's on my other list. Do, 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 do. Found them. You have a thoracic outlet list. I have a lot of lists. Okay. Don't worry about it. Well, what's thoracic outlet list? Just like Tyler J and Matt Harvey? Um. Actually, no, it's there's, really, there's, there's an overlap in the surgeries there with something else. So it started being tracked for a minute, but then it no longer was as relevant. But he's actually not on that, but he is on the like injury list, which is like question marks, and then it just said neck next to it. <laughs> so that makes more sense. Uh-huh. Uh, God. Okay. It's all coming together now. Anyway, uh-huh. this would not be content, so feel free to cut all of it. But um, to the point. I guess it to summarize. I like Tyler. I like uh, Tyler J. Oh. All right. Well, that's all she wrote there. I suppose we can actually get to uh, meaningful baseball talk now. An hour Great into the show, that may be a good decision. Uh, yeah. So our series of the week this week: Lake Country versus the Fargo Moorhead Redhawks. Both teams fighting for a playoff spot. Series is the 29th through the 31st. So. Early week series for these teams as we get into the last week of the American Association season. Uh, They've met once so far this year. Fargo took that series two games to one. It was played at Lake Country at Omac. And uh, Fargo was plus three on the runs there. So for what that's worth. At the time we started doing these notes, at the time we started recording tonight, they had an identical record of 43 and 47. That is no longer the case as Fargo won, beat the hell out of the Explorers, and Lake Country's losing streak goes to seven games now there. Uh, This is what we call a must-win series. In the case of the Dog Counts, though, they do get a little bit of reprieve as King County won tonight in extras, beating Cleburne. So that will keep them at square in their divisional hunt. Um the Salt Dogs are not looking good, though. They lost tonight, so their playoff spot's a little bit more in jeopardy now. So, overall, though, these are still two teams that are very much fighting for playoff position, even if it is in two separate divisions. Uh, Lake Country's probably the better, well, not probably, they are the better batting team here, but they're also the worst pitching team here. So, we're dealing with one team that's a little more opportunistic, a little bit more feast or famine, versus a team that's you know, they're like a 2002 Toyota Camry. They're not particularly impressive. They're not particularly terrible. You kind of want a little bit more out of it, but at the end of the day, you're also like, hey, it's a 20-year-old Camry. What are we really expecting here? Bro, I don't even know what to do with what you just said. I, uh, first of all, the Camry shade. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so we now determine that your yeah, truck is sorry, not a Tacoma. Fargo? Huh? Was that describing Fargo? Yeah. Okay. Because, like, it also felt a little bit like the team that lost seven in a row. So that's why I was like, well, hold on. This could go a couple directions here. See, um, the, the thing is, I feel like Lake Country's more of, like, an old sob. Where it's like, mm-hmm. there's moments where it's like, oh, this is really impressive. But then there's awesome moments where you lose eight games in a row. And you're like, oh, why do I still own this car that we can't even find parts for anymore? Do you want to stop by chance? I do not, know. Um, I will say, and, and the reason I'm a little distracted currently is I'm like digging deep trying to find like what the rotation looks like coming up. 
And what a mess this thing is. <laughs> um, Here's the thing. I don't think it really is going to matter because I don't I think there's will a single, either. They're doing whatever the hell. It doesn't really matter. Like, here's the thing. Fargo has not been very impressive here. The bullpen's not lived up to what they need it to be this year. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. Aliezer, and that's about it. But pitching-wise, they're still a better team on just about yeah. any given day than what you're going to get out of Lake Country. I mean, they've allowed what? I just have, they allow a lot of runs written in the notes. <laughs> That's fair. With a 534 ERA. I think that was second worst behind Sioux Falls, I want to say. So if that's the note in there, I think that tells you what you need to know. And I mean, 10 runs against tonight, five runs mm-hmm. last game, five runs the game before that, 10 the game before that. I mean, pitching wise here, I don't think we really need to dig that deep. Like, this isn't a case where, like, the last time we previewed something from the association where it was Fargo versus, hey, it's Fargo again, Fargo versus Lincoln, where it's like, okay, you know what, the pitching match is actually going to matter here. This is not a, it's going to matter here. This is going to come down to, are the bats for Lake Country going to keep doing as they've done? Are they going to keep hitting the second most home runs in the league against a pretty middle-of-the-road pitching staff that's, like, Kevin McGovern, occasionally Tyler Grower, and a couple other dudes. Are they going to be able to shut down that offense? That's the question we're here at. Yeah. um, I will give this much, though, to Lake Country. They do have a couple of good bullpen guys. Like Torres and Mollenbach look to be pretty solid guys. And... Uh, also, Portorello's also, or uh, Porto Real is pretty solid. Richardson likes to be decent, but I mean, outside of that, it's like, okay, well. Now we're getting into a little bit more of a situation here, especially with, oh my God, okay, with the starting pitch, we're really getting into a situation. It's like Augie Volton and off the map. Um, yeah, that's what I was looking at, too. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I was looking at. Um, I mean, what I'm looking at, too, is Fargo's. If you look at like runs per game, they're fourth lowest in the league right now. But if you look at like actually what's been going on, remember they went through the big downswing midseason and they were having like three games at a time. Like they would do like three games of scoring like eight runs total. And then they would have a game where they would score like six or nine and then another one they scored 10. And then they'd have another three games scoring like eight runs. And that was really what was screwing them because like if you have a week where you have six games and two of them you put up like seven runs plus and the others you put up four or less, that you're probably going to come out of the week only winning about two games. Um, and that's what they're running into lately though. They've been, the line's been a lot more consistent. Like they, they've been hitting the way they kind of would expect just getting guys on base and finding ways to get them home. Like even then they were, they were still getting some hits, but it was like the, the line of consistency wasn't there to keep driving in the runs. And, and right now I think they're just kind of feeling it. They have been putting up runs more consistently. They do have the games where Fargo will like only put up like a one or two spot. Like they put up 13, but then they put up six, nine, four, and three, and then seven and one. But then before that, it was like nine and five again. Like they'll have an unimpressive performance mixed in with two good ones. So even if they, they sort of come out flat and one against Lake Country, I don't see it happening more than once. I think Lake Country kind of needs that at this point with the current pitching staff they have working. 
Um, yeah, man. I like Fargo to probably take two out of three here. Home after a long road trip, by the way. Haven't been home since the 17th. They'll be playing game one of this thing on the 29th. So about two weeks on the road. I think they'll be looking to get after it, looking to finish the job, get themselves a playoff spot. Uh, I don't think they want to drag it out playing Winnipeg. Yeah, fair. Uh, it, yeah, I guess that is a fairly decent point. I mean, Sue is not a great road trip there. Yeah, I definitely see it. I definitely see it. I think Fargo is the better overall team. I think they're playing better as of right now. I mean, they obviously are. They haven't had a week-long losing streak yet. And while, yeah, they're pretty, you know, unimpressive, and I don't think they're really a playoff mainstay this year. I think they're kind of, you know, one and done They do seem to be better than Lake Country is. Who yeah. The only th- the thing that gets me, though, is this is a Lake Country team that I think really needs this series. Because, like, you assume this will Yeah, I think Fargo needs a series, too, though. It's the second to last series right now. Fair, but I mean, they also have four games against Winnipeg at the end of the year. And mm-hmm. currently they have a LinkedIn Fair. team that is, you know, like a Lincoln right now. <laughs> They're not really yeah. posing much of a threat here. And if I'm right, Lincoln doesn't exactly have an easy end of the year. I think their last series is against a solid team or a desperate team. Yeah, Lincoln ends the year. They have Sioux Falls for two more. Three at home against Cleburne. And then four on the road against King County. So those aren't exactly easy games. Cleburne's going to fight like hell because they're in the same boat. And arguably, the series we should be previewing is Lincoln and Cleburne, arguably. But Honestly, yeah. Kind of crazy that Cleburne's still fighting. It's impressive. Yeah, it is. Logan Watkins doing it. Winning job. games have to win, which is, hey, that's what you got to do, man. Hell. But yeah, like, I, honestly, I'm looking at them like, you know. If you come out of this going into September, those last four games, and all things considered equal, who do you like to win a series of four games or more? Fargo over Winnipeg or Lincoln over King County? Right? Like, Fargo's, yeah. you know? Yeah, it depends on what's playing for, too, but you're right. But also, like, this is weird. Like, managers and fans and probably people might think this way. Players, I just want players think that they, they look at the game ahead of them for the most part. Like, you win a game ahead of you. Yeah. And I do think Fargo, I mean, Lake Country's lost eight in a row now. Like, that builds up. This is the worst they've looked. And, and the games haven't been particularly pretty. I mean, it's got punked by Chicago for four straight, five two. They were the closest that was a two run game. Everything else was three or four runs. Like, after that, they got blitz by Milwaukee, which happens. It's a good team. But, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it just, this is the worst I've seen in the country. It just has been very, it, they have not, it's not like, damn, like, it's just a series of bad breaks. Like, they have lost these games. Fair. Like, that, it's just knowing that there really isn't a reprieve waiting for you. Like, they end the year at Kansas City. They, like this is a must win type of situation if you are Lake Country. Like this is your series. Even if KC is kind of like, okay, we have everything wrapped up. Let's pull off here for the last, you know, couple of three games. You know, you're still probably not winning that series if you're Lake Country. So like, that's the only thing that keeps me from saying Fargo in a runaway. Uh, my counter on all of this, and again, I hate to obsess with the current streak, but that's what we've got. I mean, we can look at the form that the teams are in. I mean, Lake Country, 
of his last 10 games is allowing six runs per game. Fargo's allowing like four and a half. Um, I mean, how many is Fargo scoring over these? They're scoring about five runs per game, while Lake Country is only scoring about three and a half. I mean, I just, we can only look at the teams that are in front of us. I just don't see Lake Country being able to, to get it done against Fargo. Again, maybe once, but I don't see them doing it twice. And especially a Fargo team that's like used, they have played big games like for this league. They have an understanding, you know, handling business with their back into the wall. You know, they have the playoff experience. I, I just, on multiple levels, I like Fargo. I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm going to pick the Dockhounds to win this series. I'm not. I'm still taking Fargo. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just trying to point out that if we're looking at teams that have more to play for and have, like, that second chance waiting, like, Lake Country does not have a second chance. This is it. This is the end of the line for them. So there's that. I don't think you made any sort of point that I can really refute. Like, <laughs> that's just, that's right. yeah. So, like, I'm just trying to more or less play devil's advocate here. But yeah, overall, in this series, it looks, it looks like Fargo. Yeah. It, it definitely looks like Fargo. I mean, yeah. And look, I mean, Kevin McGovern's still got 3 2 year, right? Like, let's not. Yeah. Let's not. Let's not get it twisted. The guy delivers. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I'll of course tell you, like, I get where you're coming from here, but I like the Lake Country team too. It's a team I was really happy with after they made the, the manager move. Uh, they responded well. They had momentum. I, I just think, you know, the vibes were good. I just don't know that they can get them much further. Fair. Boy, is Fargo's starting pitching sketchy though. Yeah. Every time I look at them, like, really? Is that what we're doing? All right. The problem is, but, like, they were injury riddled for a while and the bullpen mm-hmm. didn't pick up. And so now mm-hmm. you got guys like Tyler Grower, who looked really good last year, that are more like, eh, maybe he's not that guy. Maybe we got yeah, a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's not pretend that Lake Country's got much more going on. Oh, they yeah. have one guy with a sub four. Yeah. But. I mean, <laughs> what we're describing is two teams are like fourth and fifth place in their respective divisions. In the American Association, that's just what they, it's going to look like every time. So yeah. there's no great revelation within this. But um, head-to-head, I just think Fargo is rolling, I, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, it, yeah, I would just say, too, I mean, there have been a couple blow-up outings recently for Lake Country that's going to twist sort of the results on things. That um, was a Mike Shawarin outing, which was just a – criminal the other night um that was a tough scene um that flipped the kind of the whole team's numbers he's just back-to-back brutal outings but it's also something that's not great because they've been counting on him so yeah i feel like with lake country it's a team okay got it it feels like a team where it's the wheels are finally falling off and fargo is a team where things are finally coming together and yeah. yeah, that's it. End of thought. The got charts it. are now overlaid, and we're at the point where the arrows cross. Yes. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. And plus, I can't really bet against the guy with the last name Woodcock. Just it's a principal thing. Fair. Fair. <laughs> I will say this much, though. I think, and if this is the end of the line, and I guess next week, once we pretty much have a pretty good idea of what the playoffs are going to look like, I am. Thing we could probably call it, you know, on uh, September 1, what the deal's going to be here. Maybe there's a couple little uh, details left to iron out here, but by and large, we'll be able to kind of go through and look at teams that aren't going to the postseason that are 
this is it for them. Mm-hmm. So maybe we go in a little bit deeper then. But I will say, I think Lake Country learned a lot from this year. And I think they have their, at the very least, they have their staff going forward. They know these are the guys that can kind of lead them here. Because there has been a noticeable bump since that first 10-game stretch of the year. It's got. Oh, I agree. Yeah. yeah, this has been great to see from my country. I'm a, I'm a Lake Country fan. Honestly, like I don't always have a reading interest for things, but I like that team contrary to what it would sound like here. Yeah. A part of what I'm also saying is I watch a lot of Lake Country games, and this season, I don't see. I don't think. Yeah. I think we're done. I think we're done here. But I think they. I, I'm very optimistic about what their future looks like. Yeah, like honestly, it was a very good year too. Honest, the thing is, they're kind of like on a uh, almost on a ferry hawks track, right? Where it's like, we yeah, see the improvement. Fair. You see where it's mm-hmm. going. And it's on a positive trend. They may have taken a little bit of time to get there. But it's going in the right direction. And in a year, maybe two. Well, I mean, yeah, probably a year. Bigger playoff over in the American Association. In a year, maybe two from now, this is going to be a good team. But it's going to take some time to get there. And also, we got to see how this current staff builds a roster. That's a huge thing, too. So... That's all. Yeah. That's all um, part of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll say my last piece of math coming together here. Fargo starting pitchers over the last, I guess, eight games have pitched 46 innings and allowed 10 runs. Uh, meanwhile, Lake Country pitching, starting pitching specifically, has covered 12, 25, 32. Okay, sorry, math out loud is not a fun lesson. I get that. Um, I got 46 innings, which is the same number of innings. So they both pitched 46 innings in the past eight games. But uh, while Fargo has only allowed 10 runs within their starting pitching, Lake Country has allowed 30. That's not good. Yeah, and that's what I mean by like, it's just, I think they've stretched it as far as they could. And that's the end result. Starting pitchers having to cover mornings relievers struggling to get there and bail them out. It's just, you know, yeah, we've all seen it. It's a new ball. It's uh, a team that can ball, but it's just a little thin. That's okay. It's yeah. nothing against them. It's been a good run. Exactly. End ball, I guess. So on that note, we go to uh, the big kind of segment of the week. We're going to do a little bit different here. We're not going to do the hot and cold. We're going to switch it out for a game. It's a newer game. It's going to be different from last week's thing where it was like, you know, stick the fork in them and then we never got to it because we're bad at this. Um, it's hmm. true. Uh, I don't really have a name for it yet, but I'm, I'm kind of shopping the, uh, the term shopper because what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a category here and you got to fit a team into it. So let's say it's uh, okay. a first overall pick caliber team. That's what we're looking for. We're shopping for a team that could pick first overall. And then you got to give me, you know, a team that would be objectively pretty bad and could use a first overall pick caliber player. Uh, we These are obviously more end of year playoff based categories. There's four of them. So we're going to go through four. We probably have a good amount of time for that. We're only about an hour 20 in. So we're doing pretty good on that front. But that's what we're doing here. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Sure, I think I follow. All right. So we'll open it up pretty easy, a, a solid one to start with. What we're shopping for is a contender for a title, a team that is capable of winning their league. Anyone in the uh, core four leagues. Hmm, okay. Um, double check how they did tonight. 
Yep, looks good. Check out. I like that from me. I'm saying, and it's a, I mean, do I, look, I like a discount, personally. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little, you know, I think the Kansas City Monarchs are in demand. I think yeah, that's obvious. Definitely, I think definitely. a team like High Point, very in demand. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and that's jacking the price up. I mean, look, there's only so many of those teams. Um, but look, I'm a family, family man, and uh, I'm looking at teams on a budget. Yeah. Um, and I, I've actually got two options, and I think they're both a good. Depends on what you're looking for, you know, what you're trying to fill the pantry with. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, one would be the Chicago Dogs, which is a little Ooh. more mainstream. They've been hot. Um, I, I like they're chasing that Milwaukee. I've not been overly impressed with Milwaukee, which matters when it comes to talking about uh, who they're going to face in uh, a playoff run. They've what now won seven in a row. So yeah. um, I think. Chicago could be really a problem in the playoffs. Um, I've not been overly impressed with. Uh, I think there's. Uh, sorry to overanalyze the playoff situation, but I think uh, assuming Cleveland makes it in, I think there's a good chance Chicago plays Cleveland because I don't know if Milwaukee wants to deal with the travel. They might stick to King County unless Milwaukee's playoff situation is obviously weird. Who's talked about it? Yeah. Um, but I like them against King County, and I also like Chicago against Cleveland if it comes down to it. So that's option number one. Uh, but if you're really looking for a little something off-brand, a little, little, get a little fancy with it, uh, I do think that um, maybe Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls has been hot. They have been hot now for, I would say, about three weeks. They've, it's definitely become a prolonged streak. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I love their playoff matchups, and that's why it's, I'm sure it's a little bit more of a risky pick, but... Um, I've been impressed. I think the offense is explosive, and I do have a soft spot for explosive offenses in the playoffs. So I think they can cause havoc. Um, you can bring a hot pitching staff, but if they get to you, if your batters, if the batters can get to you, they're just going to mess you up. If you look at their recent games, they've got um, they've beaten up Winnipeg. They split with Winnipeg, but they. Wow. I mean, uh, it's Winnipeg took, here. It's you know, like, come on. Well, took two from Sioux City. Took two from Kansas City. Took three in a row from Milwaukee took three in a row from King County. Um, you know, that's what goes back to August 6th. They've only lost four games, and two of them were back-to-back against Winnipeg at the end of a long road trip. So, not a long road trip, not bad. It was just at the end of a road trip. But, um, yeah, at least you know, it's a little bit off-brand, a little bit different, but if you want to get a little bit a little bit cheeky with it, I will go, yeah, that's where, where, where I think about it. What do you got? So... I think uh, when you're going shopping, you want the quality stuff for the main course. And really, contending for a title is that main course, even if we're getting to it a little early. Mm-hmm. And I think who has, you know, the best quality stake in the world? You know, what, where are some of those major ones? And I think of Montreal. And what province is Montreal located in? All right, I follow you. I see where you're going here. Yeah. I don't necessarily know. I guess I see how you got to Montreal. Fair enough. Okay, yes. I, this evening. I understand. Yes, they are located in the great <laughs> province of Quebec, the same province that the Quebec Capitals are in. Yeah. And despite yeah. a loss tonight at Sussex, which admittedly, admittedly, it's just going to lower the price a little bit. That's really all yeah. it's going to do. They are still by far the highest quality team here. I mean, New Jersey, if we're going to try and put them into this conversation, they lost to a far worse team in three rivers tonight in 10 innings. So I'm not Mm -hmm. exactly killing the game there. 
which also means very good night for the Valley Cats getting a win against the Boulders there too. That's going to help their cause. But regardless of that, Quebec's a team that overall has done everything they've needed to do. They had a little bit of a rocky patch there where we started to go, maybe are they the team? You know, are they as good as they have been? And then they immediately answered back with that. They have done nothing really to say they aren't that guy. They responded to major injuries on their team by adding who? Greg Bird. They added former major leaguer right into the lineup here, which is something of note in the Frontier League. I blanked for a second. I was going to say American Association. I was like, no, they're in the Frontier. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the Frontier League, to get a guy of that caliber is certainly of note. It adds another bat to an already solid batting team. They're a team that can pitch. They're a team that has proven they can beat just about anyone that they want. Obviously, there is a little hesitation here, regardless of who gets in that in that last spot, whether it's Tri-City or New York. I suppose on some level, the Miners are still in this conversation. But, you know, like, are they really in this conversation? Uh, it's the question to ask there. So as long as you can get in, I love Quebec's odds to do a lot of damage. They're currently tied for that spot there at the top of the list. If they get that by, they either get Tri-City or they get New Jersey or New York. No matter what, I still love it in a best of five. So figuring you can get out of the East, who in the West is going to stop you? Yeah, great point. The competition in the West is not really there. Like, obviously, some people are going to point, oh, well, look at Gateway. Oh, their record's a little inflated because of Empire State and Three Rivers. And that's what the argument's going to be. I'm going to say we ran the numbers once. Empire State's marginal at best, doesn't really move the needle there. And I would argue when your third worst team in your division is still above 500. And the grand total of above 500 teams in the West is uh, the three playoff teams. We maybe shouldn't talk about parity and level of competition in the East. Because the Grays aren't doing that kind of numbers. Yeah. So, overall, I like Quebec a lot. I think they have a bit of a tougher road to get out of the East. But once they get out of it, so long as they're not injured, they are set up nicely. Yeah, um, just checking out who else we're looking at for playoff berth. There, let's say Evansville in that third spot. That's right. I'm just smelling this up. Yeah, I mean they've played all three of uh, the teams in the that are heading into the playoffs from the West, and they won all three series, two out of three. Yeah. Um. So there's that. Yeah, I think it's going. I think we started talking like stake and like all that. I was ready for you to say like Missoula or one of the Montana teams. Um. So I had to like co- totally shift gears on my end here. Yeah. Um. But, uh, you know, if you wanted to, by the way, I don't know. Just, oh, I was thinking yeah. Missoula for a second there. I was, But that was going to be a whole, you know, everyone talks about the prime cuts of meat. But there's other parts of the animal that are quality. Because the well, Pioneer League say. is not a prime cut. But there's oh, quality. Yeah. I would say if you want a real upset pick, you can check out Glacier, though. Oh, we're going to get to that. Okay, following up, I'll let you take it. Yep. So we'll get to that kind of dark horse thing in just a second. But before that, we have the other end of the spectrum. You have these contenders, teams that are, you know, pretty well entrenched. But on the flip side, you have 
pretenders, teams that, you know, they're paper tigers. They look good on the page, but on the field, they don't get it done. So we're looking to buy a pretender for a title. Oh, uh, do you want to go first on this one, or should I, I go I suppose first? I can. Uh, so there's three teams I got highlighted here. Uh, all of it comes back to, you know, the level of competition or the overall consistency across the year. And so, you know, a team like Lancaster kind of jumps out to me for that. Also, I look at the challenge they're going to have. Obviously, Long Island's not doing great right now, but they're still a good team. And even if they manage to get out of that, you're looking at probably either Gastonia or High Point, the same matchup we had last year. Again, being the fright in the uh, in the uh, in the South, so that's certainly a challenge. But Lancaster's proven they can they can win a title. They're defending still, so that brings me to two other points. I was thinking maybe Gateway for the reasons we just mm-hmm. mentioned about Quebec being a very strong contender for a title. You know, Gateway mm-hmm. being a bunch of teams that really aren't that great, and their pathway here is probably going to be through Schaumburg. If we're being honest, no hate to Evansville, but we did this last year. Schaumburg is also an overall better team, a team that's still technically not out of the division title hunt yet by any means. And yeah. on top of that, has a very proven record of recent postseason success, a title, a finals appearance. They get it done when it matters. So, you know, for that reason, you know, Gateway does seem a little weaker. You know, they have relatively tough competition that they have to immediately go, go go up against. And then in the East, it does not get any easier. But the team I wind up settling on is a team we've mentioned for off-the-field reasons today. And that is Sioux City. They're just such an inconsistent team. And yeah, they've added a guy like a Nagaski in here. And that certainly helps them as well. But I look overall at their setup here, at their current situation, and I don't love anything about this team. They are, as I've said, inconsistent. They are a team that is going to have to probably play either a really hot Sioux Falls team. Sure, they may get lucky and either get a very, very mediocre uh, Lincoln team that's currently on a six-game losing streak and is probably going to miss the postseason on that alone, or a Fargo team that's starting to figure it out. That's not necessarily an easy thing. A team that's defending a title, a team that's been there, a team that's gone to two straight finals, actually, if we're going to get down to it. That's not exactly, you know, the easiest first-round matchup. But let's say you get through that. You're looking at Kansas City. That's a really tough series to go ahead and have to win. You're not looking great right there. And even if you manage to get through that, you're probably looking at either Milwaukee or Chicago, on the flip side here, and I know you have some reservations about the Milkmen, and there's, that's fair. I had them as a team that was a borderline contender, certainly, just because I like a lot what they have. I think if you look across the board, the numbers are good enough to where I think they're kind of sneaky enough to get to a finals. And I'm not sure how much I buy the dog's success as of recent, but that's a whole other issue entirely. Either way, there's tougher teams in the East than I think Sioux City can handle. And I feel like the large chunk of the reason Sioux City is even in this conversation right now is based off of what they did in that first month of the season. And so for that alone, I feel like I got to dock them a bit because guys like Solomon Bates can only do so much on the pitching end. 
And overall, it just feels like a very inadequate team. So Sioux City is a pretender that I'm putting in the shopping cart. Hmm. I'm torn because I have a few teams I have to think about here. Um, I'll be honest, I toured with the idea of the Ogden Raptors, who look mm-hmm. like the real deal to end the first half of the Pioneer League and have absolutely been getting pushed in since then. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, they've lost six in a row, including two games. They gave up 38 to NoCo uh, uh-huh. last week, uh, or early this week. Uh, just getting stomped out by Rocky Mountain, too. But uh, I don't know about all that. Um, Glacier, I'm as convinced that they're a pretender as I am, that they're a sleeper pick. Billings is a question mark, so I'm not going to go the Pioneer. Uh, the Atlantic League, they're Staten Island, obviously staring at you in the face. But hmm, I don't know, man. Uh, probably Tri City, honestly. <laughs> Stick in the frontier. Oh, I think Tri City again. They're that team. They're good, but when it comes down to it, they don't. Re- I don't think they won. Maybe they won a series, but they have a losing record against both Quebec and New Jersey. Um, and I just don't see. I mean, really, if you, I am not confident in them handling business against Jersey in a playoff series, let alone doing it against Quebec. Um, I just think it's too much to ask, and I do not think they're they're going to catch them either. Um, I mean, right now they just split two, but Quebec won the last one ten nothing after losing the first one three to two. Um, they did take two out of three the week before that. No, they lost two out of three the week before that as well. Looks like six and two versus Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. I'll do a double check on that math because I might have looked it up from the wrong side and count the L's and dubs wrong, but. Like, if you look at Quebec, that matchup's just been terrible for them. Um, I'll look at Jersey again here because uh, counting ain't my specialty. 3-0 and against them to start. 4-2, 6-3. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I still don't love them in that matchup, though. Um, Going to be honest, I know Jersey was not at their best in those games against them. Um, and just, like, I feel like that offense is so good. I mean, they put up uh, they have, I guess, not shown that they can stop the Jersey offense for prolonged periods of time. So mm. uh, if you look at the last two series, they won one 11 to 10. So they need to score 11 runs to get done. Uh, they won uh, another one 5 to 1. So they were able to hold them. But the other one, they lost 9 to 7. Same situation. Um, they held the Jackals to five runs twice, which is okay. And then they lost 16 to 12 to them the series before. So, like, yeah, they're going to control that offense. <laughs> like, and the first three was when the Jackals weren't really hitting the way they, they ended up hitting for the whole year. Um, again, the Jackals are a much different team at home than away, but if I'm honest, I did run the numbers. I do not hate them on the road, and I just did double-check, and they're actually pretty good at Sussex, too. So when it comes down to it, I think Tri-City looks has the look of a team that can do it this year and breaks out, but I still think they're just a pretender, unfortunately. I could see it. Also, they've had problems closing it out. That's something that yeah. they struggle with. And it's not even the most guaranteed lock they make it yet. I mean, still up three on the boulders. That's certainly something of note. And they still have two more against them this weekend. But mm-hmm. boulders win both of them, which I know is a lot to ask. But if they do manage that, all, all of a sudden you pick up a lot of ground there. Was it one game difference then? Uh, yeah, it would be a half game, I think. Yeah, so it's right yeah. there, and who would the Boulders have left? It's a three-game difference now. You're right. So, sorry, I'm, I'm a little behind. So, yeah, it's a one-game difference. All right, yeah, and then the Boulders would have three at Quebec, 
and then four at home against New Jersey. Admittedly, what's rough is they play Thursday night game in Quebec and then Friday doubleheader at home versus New Jersey. So that's admittedly a rough swing. But still, how that New Jersey Quebec thing shakes out matters a lot too, right? Because they're both playing for something still. And yeah, it's also the fact that minus three, even going into the playoffs, the fact that odds are, I mean, sure, they're battling for that top spot still, but like there's a better chance that the Jackals and Quebec can take their foot off the gas at least a day early. Mm. You know what? Honestly, try, the way, for all we know, the way it works out is Tri-City secures this thing, and Tri-City don't have, doesn't have a top seed to play for and doesn't have a playoff spot to play for, and they could be rested longer than anyone else. So I'm going to hold that thought, but I, I never envy the team that feels like they still have to battle their way out. But if you are Tri-City, right now you're one game back of a bye. So that matters a lot, too. You're still in that. Now, you know, Alasso has to shake itself out. You know, yeah, but, look at the baseball reference standings. <laughs> gotta use those FrontierLeague.com standings. Yeah, I know. One game out. Yeah. What a great race, man. I, I like know. This is this is the race we need. Plenty to cover, which I appreciate because got some bad ones. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to eyeball. I don't know some more of the recent stuff. I mean, uh, Tri City. This is the worst offensive month so far. Hitting well below the standard of where they've been, which is something that's interesting, and, and you can see it. Also, they have been against divisional competition, which we've established is better. Um, but, yeah, something to watch. Yep, definitely. So, we move on to the penultimate uh, shopping list item here, which means we have one more after this. But first, we have to kind of circle back to something we were touching on just a second ago, and that is we need to add a little bit of flavor to this. We got to Add in some more playoff talk here, but what we need is a dark horse for the playoffs. A team that is a sneaky good team. Maybe one that's going to do really well in the playoffs. Maybe one that's going to kind of sneak and cruise into the postseason. Something like that. That's what we're looking for in this dark horse a candidate. Um, it's a bold take, but I... <clears throat> I kind of like Glacier <laughs> in the Pioneer. I, I mentioned it before. It's They've been super underwhelming in the second half, but they still basically have the uh, wild card locked up. Um, let me just double check the record on that one, make sure I'm not completely off here. But yeah, I mean, they're Rocky Mountains up three games behind them, but Rocky Mountains also leading their division. So if you go past Rocky Mountain, it's now five game lead. And I sense you know about Colorado playing consistent enough baseball to catch Glacier, even if Glacier's been down lately. Um, my main thing with Glacier, because it should be a murder when they play at Missoula, is it just really has not been. Um, if you go through their head-to-head this season, uh, they did get Punk their first series against them. They lost, what, four out of five, it turned out. Okay. And they lost two out of three. And then they lost... Uh, four out of six, they lost two out of the first two here, or two out of the last four here. So they're below 500 against them, but they're battling and the games have been close. And I don't know, again, Missoula can lamp their pitching, but we're talking sleepers for a reason. We're talking what could be an upset for a reason. Missoula got upset last year. It could happen again. And if someone's going to do it, I do think it's Glacier. Glacier 
oddly, despite their struggles, might also be the only other team going to playoffs that can rest their pitching about as long as Missoula can and set up their rotation the way they want, just the way that things seem to be shuck, uh, shuffling out with the wild card. What and, about Rocky I mean, Mountain, though? I don't see here's funny. I don't necessarily qualify Rocky Mountain as an upset. I think Rocky Mountain's a good team. Uh, and maybe that colors my mentality on them, but I. I've been I mean, really impressed by the Rocky Mountain team I've seen this year, they, yeah, at least in the second half. I Let was me justify more, in the second half. <laughs> yeah, I was meaning more uh, just the general team that can beat Missoula since here. Like, like they're, them and Ogden are about equal, although, I mean, if we're going recency, I mean, they, they have literally flipped their records. So, I mean, that that speaks a lot there. But, like, overall, it just... Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, if we if we're looking at it from that perspective, the vibes probably wouldn't be a uh, a dark horse if they're going to wind up leading their own division. Yeah. And there's weird stuff of like the vibes. I think are fairly legit. Just looking at some of the better offenses in this league. I mean, Grand Junction is a great one. They just play Grand Junction to help them to thirteen runs over three games. Uh, and then they did give up 15 of them in one game, but then they held them like a seven and a four spot, which is completely normal for facing them. Um, before that, they held them to 16 runs across three games, which is great. <clears throat> um, yeah, and Northern Colorado, they held them to a six and a six and an eight, which if you've been following the uh, Pioneer, is a pretty good deal playing Northern Colorado. Um, I... I don't know. I like it. I think they have a shot to actually be legit. And that's why I didn't necessarily want to call them my sort of upset pick or spoiler or whatever going with their sleeper pick. Um, I do think Glacier would be more sleeper because their record against Missoula isn't even that impressive, but they've been playing close games. If I recall, they pushed them into that like bonus round a couple times and it made it a little bit complicated. So that's where my head's at when it comes to them, at least. And uh, trying to go a little outside the box on that call. So. I definitely, I get that, and I agree with that, and it's just with the Pioneer, everything's, you know, it's hard to really call. I also just have a hard time picking against Missoula for anything, so. I know, me too. <laughs> yeah, so that's a hard part there, so, like, I think, can they beat Missoula? I'm like, yeah, I guess. And I mean, if you can beat Missoula, you can win the, th- the whole thing. It's just, knowing you're getting Missoula in round one, is such an uphill battle, man. So that's what keeps me from going a route similar to that. For me, I'm going with a team that you briefly mentioned as a pretender, and that's Stanton Island. And the reason Hmm. I have them here is that North is still wide open. And I feel like if they can get in, there's fairly low expectations here. You sneak in, you can do some damage here. A Long Island team that, by and large, hasn't looked great this second half. Is that a project taking their foot off the gas? Probably. Possibly. We don't quite know. We also know that Stan Island, even with tonight's result, has historically played Long Island tough. They have gotten their fair share of wins against Long Island. And I feel like it's the kind of thing that with a low expectation, a team that have really had to fight and claw to get in, I feel like they could do some serious damage and I feel like they could give Long Island a real scare. And if you could just 
get through Long Island, which I know is, you know, if you could just scale the Grand Canyon. But if you really can, you have as good a shot as anyone. Like we saw a Gastonia team and a high point team that we said were very confidently two of the better teams in independent ball last year lose to a Lancaster team, which kind of, you know, was really good for three or four months. And that was their story. And so I just kind of feel like Stan Island has that kind of dark horse ability here. I don't know if I have any sort of statistical backing to go with it, to run with it, but I just feel like they are that kind of team. And there's always one that sneaks in in the Atlantic League that then does something. And seeing as it's still wide open over there, I don't see why it can't be Staten Island. Hmm. That's an interesting one. Um, like, I understand I, the argument against it. I definitely get it. But yeah. just overall, I feel like there is something there. I do agree there's something there. I, I think it's a bit of an optimistic take. If I'm trying to help you sell that, I would say their last X number of games against Long Island here. Um, let's see. Um, they lost tonight, but before that, they were a split series with Long Island, lost two out of three, lost two out of three. They're winning a game every time they play Long Island, and they've won a series against them, so they know they can do it. Now, even even they did that when Staten Island was actually down and Long Island was up, um, for the most part. So that would be the angle, probably. It's a three-game series in the first round, if I recall. No, it's a five-game set. Yeah. It? That's going to make it more difficult. Um, See, I'd counter by saying it makes it a little bit easier on them simply because they have more games to recover from a bad outing. Okay. Yeah, one blow-up doesn't cost. That's fair. I would say it's five games having to shut down that lineup. That was my first thought. That was my concern. I'm not really concerned about shutting down that lineup, as that may be famous last words, but I feel like they're they can be able to do that. Like, when I look at Stan Island, I look at a team that's like, avoid the blow-up. If you avoid the blow-up, it's fine. That's how they win. By avoiding it. And they're perfectly capable. Look at, like, the High Point series, for example. They were able to control it. They had the one bad game, game one. And then they mm-hmm. come back and they put 27 runs across two games. So they're able to do that. Right. They can play a, to- a closer, more hard-fought one. Maybe something like Southern Maryland's a good example. They sweep them. And they didn't allow more than six in any particular game. And they won by some close margins there as well. I think there's enough there where it's like, okay, they're able to win games where they have to. I mean, overall, I, like I said, I just feel like there's a team there that can do something. And it's hard to really judge them because they've been so over the map. But there's enough there where I feel like this is a team that avoiding the blow up, they can get by and they can do what they got to do. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be had there. They have some solid pitching. And when they can line that pitching up, it definitely looks good. Um, Capuano, obviously, he's a big piece of this. Uh, Hartman, another sub four. Um, 
I mean, if if they can line those two up, Pinero's not good even outings bad. out of them. Plus, yeah, Pinero is where I was going. They could probably hold with just those three, you know. Um, and then from there, their bullpen's good, and their bullpen has multiple guys who can get it done. Yeah, I can see it causing an issue. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of doing a side by side with them, Long Island. It's hard not to in this situation. Um, Plus, I look at, I, I'm not going to say Long Island doesn't have a more a stronger pedigree, but there are guys on the Ferry Hawks that maybe can't go one for one, but can hold their own in certain situations. And if Yoshi yeah. was still here, I'd feel even better about this. Yeah, um, I agree. I also don't like, I mean, they have a couple of bullpen arms that aren't there anymore. That makes me nervous, but uh, I'm like looking at who, like I'm looking at, okay, seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, the ninth inning. Like who are they going to put out of the pen on you? Um, Payano, great option. Um, oh man, it's tough though. Hmm. Yeah, that's where I start to worry. Can they finish the job late against a, an offense like Long Island? That's that's the thing. And yeah, they've shut them down times, but it's, it's five games. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to ask um, out of a team which, frankly, I don't even really? know if they built it with playoffs in mind. You don't need to shut them down for five. You need to shut them down for three. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're going to shut them. Down. That's an optimistic way to look at it for sure. But look, hey, look, that's not sleeping like Long Island's not been impressive lately. So that's the other thing here. I mean, I'll give you that one. I think I almost picked them. That's fine. I I, I, I vibe with it. I they're worry. a dark horse for a reason. They're a dark horse for a reason. I think they have a better shot probably than mine. And I think that um, yeah, I can see it. That's the thing. Like, I, I can see that they have a, a road, and I think the road's narrow, but I think it's there, and that's the that's the main thing. Uh, going to the final, the final item on the list. That would be a total underachiever. We need someone that underachieved oh. this year. A team that we came into this season saying, this team is good. This is a team that will do great things this year. This is a, a title threat. And they weren't even a pretender. They just couldn't live up to the hype in any way. This is the this is a, I don't want to call him bum, but this is a guy that... Uh, he should have been more than he turned out to be. We need a total underachiever. Hmm. Um, do you have a thought off the top of your head on this one? I have three that I kind of wrote down here, all in varying degrees. So I, I could go if you uh, need a second. I'll, I'll, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to do a quick double check to make sure this is exactly what I'm thinking about here. So there's two... Teams that I'm going to list first here that I'm not going with, but certainly have a case here. Fargo is the immediate one, a team that, you know, won a championship last year. One of the better series we've seen in recent years, too. Uh, back-to-back years, making the final. Revamped, looked like a solid team, a strong team coming into the year. A team that should, if not win the division at the very least, be really close, challenging for it. And they've turned to a team that's a borderline playoff team. That probably looks like a round one exit. And if not, will be short work for Kansas City in round two. So 
That is certainly an underachiever, but they're not the most because they still look like a playoff team. And once you're in, anything can happen. Spire City is one which, you know, I thought about. They're not really the respectable team we thought. I know we'll pick them to go very far, if not win the whole thing. So that obviously is not happening. I know a lot of people were high on Spire City, thought they had some real potential here. I may not have been one of them, but, you know, they are... They were a team that had some expectation and they just certainly have not lived up to it in really any way. But the team that comes to my mind immediately is a team that's been very respectable in past years. It's been a playoff team perennially, essentially, and they just have not had a good year at all. And that is the Washington Wild Things. That is a team that I feel like is totally underachieved. They have won some games of recent, come around a little bit as a reason. They may manage to make this up into fourth in the division. But they are very much in jeopardy of finishing under 500. They're very much a team that was the second best or the best team in the regular season last year, depending on who you ask. And overall, you felt like maybe this roster isn't as strong as it was last year, but it still is a very strong roster. It may not be 60 wins strong, but it's certainly, you know, in the 50s, probably mid to high 50s level. This is a team that's going to make the postseason, a team that's going to really contend, that's going to have a shot. And you look across how things are shaken out, and it's a very weak division, too. Like Gary, 35 wins. Florence, 35 wins. Windy City, 37 wins. Joliet, 42 wins. That's how it all sits right now. I mean, nine games above 500 is the worst playoff team, and that's nothing to, you know, sneeze at. But a 48-win team in the East, you know, that puts you where Sussex is. It puts you in the, you have a shot, but you're not looking like you're going to make it. And so when you have these teams pretty consistently, you kind of expect to do better than 12 games out of first place. You kind of expect to do better than six and a half games out of a playoff spot. At the very least, you know, make it to the wild card, host the wild card. There was an expectation here, and I'm not going to say, you know, championship or bust. Very seldom is that ever a realistic expectation across all of sport. Just because playoffs are so much of a crapshoot, especially with baseball, where you play a hundred plus games and then it comes down to one three game series. You know, anything can happen. You can just have one dude have really bad allergies one game and that costs you a series. So anything can happen in that. So I'm never going to really use playoff success as the only category make or break. I will use the regular season as a, as a measurement though, because it's such a large sample to work off of. We know if you're good or not. And overall, Washington just has not been good. There hasn't been a stretch where you've said, this is a good team. This is a dominant team. It's been anywhere from they're a mediocre team to this is not a good team. And obviously there is a come down period at a certain point. You can only be good for so many years before you have a letdown year. Quebec had one of those, but at a certain point, you have to call it what it is. And even if it is due, it's still a very underachieving year, a total underachieving year in my mind for Washington. Yeah, man, I'll give you that. I don't even have like a counter to that. Just I'm with you. I think this is, yeah, I think that's a good read. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I came in without knowing much about Washington. I knew like they, they had thrown in the past, but like they were definitely trying to get together and it's just, it never came through. The definitely most jarring thing to me watching their games has been just how often like there was not much in the way like life from them. Um, yeah, it just 
I feel like we don't talk about Washington much. It's just because, you know, a lot of ways, and I'm trying to say this, I'm sort of tiptoeing to not be feeling terrible about what I say, but like, it's just yeah. kind of a nothing team. It's been a very empty year. Yeah. Um, and that's really, yeah, that's, I think that speaks to exactly what you're saying. It was just, it's just a disappointment, man. It didn't end up where they thought. And that's frustrating. Um, yeah, especially if you yeah, want to look at the being a Washington Wild Things fan. <laughs> yeah, especially if you look at like the actual everyday starters from a batting perspective, who do you point to? Yeah. Wagner? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Lagrange? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's probably the guy. A three oh four hitter with nineteen home runs. Broncado had a good year with twenty six home runs, batting two seventy five. I mean uh, Dubrol also looks pretty solid, you know, a good average hitter, put some runs across, stole some bags. Robert Chaika uh, looked really good as a rookie, so there's stuff to build off of there. Andrew Check provided some offense there. There's a couple of individual performers, but once you get af- outside of those really five guys, the, what else really is there? You know, like Tristan Peterson, he's a pretty, you know, average guy on this level. Nova, again, a pretty average catcher on this level. Maybe a little extra pop than you'd expect. Nick Gata did not live up to really the billing you need him to be as a veteran. Not to say he had a bad year, just not what he needed to be. You know, everybody else, again, just like not what he needed to be. Uh, Pitching-wise, we could look at that too here. And, I mean, like I'm trying to find, you know, examples of of guys that really did solid here. And like, I was have one or two again, like I'm hard pressed here. Like Christian James looked good in the bullpen and Kobe Foster proved that last year wasn't a fluke. That, that's pretty much what I come across here. Justin Goosen Brown also looked good, but I mean, at this level, I kind of expect them to look really good. Everybody else was either average to below average. I mean, Zach Kirby also looks like he could be something to build off of going into next year too. But like there really wasn't any pitching and there wasn't much batting to supplement it. Uh, that's not a winning recipe. So who I'm do you have? Prepared to with, I'm, I'm actually going to, um, yeah, I'm going to stick around uh, with, um, I'm just trying to necessarily figure out how I want to approach this because, I mean, I feel like they're technically friends of the program, but hey, it is what it is. Going same league, same division. Ooh. And I'm going to say Windy City, man. Windy um, City, okay. Windy City, bring in uh, Richie Saxon. Um, there's a good excitement around there. Obviously, first-time manager is never an easy thing in indie ball, but um, it's just been an underwhelming team. They've never been a, like a, a legitimate contender. The offense has been really bad. I mean, looking... So uh, what what I look at is like comparing year to year, right? I mean, yeah. last year they had the third worst offense in the league. This year they have the third worst offense in the league, except it's scoring a half run less. Um, last year they had the fifth worst pitching staff in the year uh, in the league. Now it's the seventh worst, um, and they are giving up, you know, less runs per game, which is good. Mm. But um, it, it's things like when I look at it, I look at guys who stayed on the team. Um, Pitchers, for the most part, did okay. They had guys like uh, Cal Dreskovich. He took a step back this year. I think they were looking for him to step up as a 26-year-old guy. Um, looking at guys like uh, like Sebastian Selway, didn't get much work in. He looked good in the work in the time he did, but he didn't make the contributions they wanted. Then you got guys like um, Kenny Matthews went backwards. Uh, Justin Miller was the other one. who like He did okay. He kind of stayed about where he was. But 
I mean, he, he did improve a bit, but like, you didn't see the improvement that you necessarily want to see in the guys who hung around from year to year. Um, at based, so last year against like the league average, they were, you know, 0.3 runs per game, like in run differential, worse than the league average. Now they're a run and a quarter worse per game. So that's a huge step backwards, like, like an extra run per game. They've fallen behind against the league average. They just didn't move forward. But my biggest thing is, and this is a bit of an oddity, but it's the kind of thing that, that I picked up on and, and I've confirmed with some people around there. I don't know if the Richie Sexton thing has worked out. I, I would be surprised to see him come back next year. Yeah. Um, they have, as I said, the offense was third worst in the league last year. It's third worst in the league this year, uh, with the big difference being they're half run worse. Um, despite that, they have only had what, four, let me double check my number. 14 batters this season. That is not many. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, f- for comparison's sake, um, they had 24 last year. Now, often I think like roster churn is a sign of instability and could be a problem. But in this instance, when it's not working, it, like that you just shows that there's new. no, there's no, yeah. And it shows a real lack of avenues to maybe find new options and to find, um, I guess from a, a front office and manager standpoint, it does worry me that like he seems to not have the connections to bring new people in. Um, he's stuck with a team where he's like, yeah, these are my guys. Like they're the team OPS is a 680, um, but there's no move to make any changes there. I mean, that's almost 100 points lower than league average. Um, if you look at their batting averages across the team, I mean, you've really got. I mean, half the starting lineup on any given night hang under 250. Um, there's just plenty. I mean, it is a target-rich environment if you want to start improving things. And and one, I think that's partially maybe – I'm torn between if it's a, it's a lack of connections or it's a lack of energy for doing things like that, a lack of knowledge for how to go about doing things like that, or even if it's just it's a player mentality of the last time he was in a dugout, I think he was playing ball. And like maybe it's you know it's tough to look at a guy and say like hey like we gotta let you go to make room for a guy who we think is going to give us a better shot, um, but yeah it was for them it is just the stagnation of this was I mean I, I know you had I'm going to blank on his name but uh, with the GM I guess from the team on and he was talking about you know there was high hopes for this year and and they were trying to get back in their winning ways because it's been a long time and then just to see this again and be like okay like. I would be very surprised if Sexton comes back next year. Um, he just does not seem to vibe with it. The energy seems low. And that's just what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing. And it's just disheartening to just be like, all right, you got to start this again. We've got to f- go out and find our guy again. Hopefully, you know, he likes a roster. He, we don't need to completely rebuild. Maybe we do. Um, you know, hopefully he has good connections. We, you know, have to, you know, reintroduce him to our fans. We have to get the fans to try to come back out after another losing year. Like, that's just, it's brutal. This was really being pegged as a year where they could show some motion and they were hoping for good things. And just to see it go the way it has is just crushing. Yeah. So that's my pick. I mean, it's definitely a good pick. Mike for shave was the guy we had on, by the way, GM of the team. Right. But, Very nice guy, by the way. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you had him on. That was interesting. Area. Yeah. I, I like talking to him too. We, at first when we called him, he was in the middle of actually, you know, removing the snow from his sidewalk. So he had to call us back <laughs> later on. I tried to get him to do the interview while he was, you know, snowblowing, but that did not uh, that did not take. I thought it was going to be a lot more entertaining if he did it while he was shoveling, but you know, 
I guess not. Any case, but mm-hmm. I think you also make a, a good point there where it was an opportunity to show something, show some growth, show some movement one way or the other, even if it was a worse overall record year. But there was a couple of individual standouts. There was a period where it's like, okay, it was bad, but there was at least a three-week period where they strung together a solid record. And their losses started to look more like they're just not good enough versus they don't know what they're doing. Then you can say, okay, well, they're they're not being outplayed. The talent's just not there. That'd be one Mm -hmm. thing. It's another thing when it's just like they don't, know what they're doing and those 17 batters is part of it where you're one of the worst batting teams in the league especially when you think okay there's a travel team in this league and you're not trying anything new and then you look at a guy like say a Jarius Richard and he goes to Gateway and he has a just a phenomenal year compared to what he did in Windy City now obviously there's ballpark factors and whatnot there but it also speaks volumes to you know, the overall just flip in performance that can't really be contributed to a ballpark, right? So it speaks mm-hmm. a bit to the overall organization. And I think that's a really good point here. I was kind of surprised you didn't almost go Sussex County because I feel like Sussex I almost awesome. did, man. Yeah. I almost did. But it, the new manager was the thing for them. Like, the new manager was a sign of hope for Windy City. The new manager in Sussex was seen, I think, as a, like a vulnerability. Yeah. So that was that was my deciding factor on that one. Fair and honestly, too, for a while they were looking good over in Sussex. Yeah, and I also the funny thing was like, yeah, that's the thing. I could see Sussex County being like, like we've seen this work. Like that's one of those just baseball things where it's like it's like the Angels. Like they invest in the. After the trade deadline, or at the trade deadline, they make the investment, and the team starts losing. And you're sitting there, you're like, you're like you've seen this work. Like, why isn't it working? And then on the flip side, you got the Phillies, whose offense was trash, even though it, on paper looks great. And the Phillies just had to stick with it and be like, yeah, like we just have to bet that this is going to turn out, and it has turned around a good bit. And it, at the same time, like I see Sussex being like, we've seen this work. It just has stopped working, and like it's harder to make changes. It's a little harder for me to understand from the Winning City perspective when this immediately did not work like this was a the team that last year struggled um i mean it's throwing a lot of ways not to be that guy but like they struggled um offensively certainly and that's the most obvious way but um then to come out and immediately have issues like sure the pitching was better honestly right off the bat but those first games just were eight in the first and then proceed to go one one four two four three pause it we're a week in, eight days in, nine days in. I that's the moment. I've seen enough to know I've seen too much. Like shout out to anybody who's like quotable in league of their own. That's where it has to be like, all right, we have an off day coming up on you're coming into your Monday off day on the twenty first is the nineteenth. Someone should already be making the list of who we're calling and what we're asking about. There's gonna be other teams after a week having the same moment of, uh uh-oh, this isn't the team we thought we had when we were playing whoever the hell during our preseason. We need to look around. And you also will have guys who just had contract purchases so we can make some moves. Um, There's no movement. Like, there was no, you know, that's that's the red flag right there. It was not like they came out hot out of the gate. They saw something, and then for whatever reason, they just couldn't get it going because of injuries or whatever the hell else. It was just, 
it was never there and they still did not adjust course or anything. And that's what makes me go, hmm, what is the plan here? Yeah. I mean, it uh, speaks a lot. It speaks a lot to the organization as a whole, especially in a year where you're having such a spotlight on you between the guy that is your manager and a former major leaguer and the all-star game itself. It, it says a lot. So uh, that... Yeah. That does that does it for the shopper game this week. I think it worked out pretty well. I think it was some, long, but I liked it. Yeah. yeah, I think we got some really good quality baseball discussion on that. We still have one thing left to get to, by the way. So we should Shoot. probably get to that and get through this yep. quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is a tomorrow morning problem. Uh, props and predictions here. So we're gonna do some day of release editing. Oh boy, fun for me. Three predictions. We'll run through them real quick. If you have anything to say about them, go ahead and say it. I have uh, Cleburne will be a playoff team. I don't know who's going to get bounced. I kind of expect it to be Lake Country, but Cleburne getting that last playoff spot, I think, will be pretty well secure by the next time we record. Uh, New York wins the series against Tri-City, but loses the next one to Quebec. That you could tell I wrote before an 8-3 loss today, but, <laughs> you know, I still think it's possible. They got to win two in a row, but I think it's tough to win them both. Realistically, they win one, lose the other one. They're still in a good spot to try and make their move. It's just they're going to need some help at this point, and there's no real way around that. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And the final prediction is, at some point during the week, Gastonia and High Point will flip in their spot in the standing. So Gastonia will go into first, even if it's only for a brief moment. But I think they're going to flip at some point. I feel like Gastonia will make an appearance in first place, that's for sure. Uh, do I already forget the first ones you said? Yes, of course. I was a little bit distracted trying to look something up as you said it. And I was like, well, okay, this is not my best move. Um, it was Cleburne being a playoff team and then New York splitting oh. their next two series. Um, Cleburne, I would say... I'm on board with the Boulders play in the next two series. I'm there for that. Yeah. Um, Cleburne, oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, man, it's so hard to predict anything on Cleburne. What the hell are they? I mean, uh, sure, yeah, because Lake Country is the one chasing them. So yeah. it's more, yeah, sure, Lake Cleburne's a playoff team mainly because I don't think Lake Country is a playoff team. <laughs> that was kind of my reasoning, too. So Sorry, I made it a negative. Eh, you're not wrong. Uh, any case, uh, props for the week. The two we got here. DJ Burt. He's a guy we have not talked about, but we really should because he's on a seven-game on base streak. I know. And he's like popped on at least once on SportsCenter Top 10, maybe twice. Yeah. So like he's having a really good year, and we're just not talking about him for some reason. So he's going to get some mention here. I have his mm -hmm. streak reaching... 59 and a half games. The over or the under? So we need six games. Um, 57 ooh. is where he's at right now. Oh, 57 now. Good God, that actually quickly. These are running together. Yeah, he yeah. makes it. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. See, here's the thing. Like, yeah. two is really nothing, but once you've gotten up this high, man, it's like, oof. Like, for the yeah, but it's on base, so he just needs a walk. Uh, yeah, I don't want to like, um, yeah, and I don't want to like undersell the streak. It's an incredible streak. Yeah. And I'm saying, I know I'm saying two things at once here. One is, um, I think it's an incredibly impressive streak, and that's what we're talking about. But I also think like 
it is easier to achieve and it does play to his strengths in a way that's a little bit different. Um, where I, I mean, I think he has just an innate ability to get on base <laughs> and I, I mean, he's just obviously getting after it. Um, but the thing is, despite this whole streak, his on base percentage is still like outside the top 10 in the league, which is kind of fun. Um, <laughs> speaks volumes about what it was before the streak. Being, yeah, fair point. Um, but yeah, um, he hasn't walked as much as you would think for this, but he also hasn't gotten hit by this or anything. It's a very odd kind of streak, honestly. Hmm. I'm tempted to be like, eh, but he's playing Spire City. I believe in him there. And he's got one against Southern Maryland, but they're not playing Daryl Thompson, who, by the way, welcome back, Daryl Thompson. He had a good eye in last night, or tonight, Friday, it would be. So last night, probably, if you're listening on Saturday or another day, whatever. Um, so I think they're avoiding him, though, which is a good thing, because anytime, no matter the age or the layoff or the injury, anytime you avoid Daryl Thompson, it's a good day for the, the boys in the lineup. Yeah. I'll take the over on yeah. it just to be fun. I'm taking it too. Yeah. But like if it came short and it was at 59 exact, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I agree. It's a tough one, especially mid road trip. Yeah. So, uh, final. I'm, yeah. I'm choosing to be believing in it. I'm with it. Fair. Final prop Empire State finishes the year, and obviously they won't be at this exactly when we record next, but I think we'll be close enough to be able to determine this. Finishes the year 42 and a quarter games back of first. Normally we go with half, but because you can be a half game back, we got to go with quarter if we want the under. So over under 42 mm. and a quarter games. Ooh. I believe they're at I mean, 38 already, right now. They're at 38 or 39. I think we already talked, not in maybe not in a straight up like plus minus like prop that way. But about how many games they'd win, I think that we discussed whether twenty was in play. And I said yeah. it was. I'm regretting that now. Um, Odd, like, see, Ottawa, New Jersey, and wait, what the hell? So, yeah. you know, it's weird. At the very least, those two New Jersey games are not listed as road games. Um, it's probably because it's Skyline, so they probably call it neutral site. But interesting. Okay, even still, regardless, the Frontier League. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, three against Sussex, two against Ottawa, two against New Jersey. Yeah, and they are, what, 39 back, 39 and a half? 38, back, I think, 38 and a half. Yeah, 38 and a half. Um, 20's going to be tough yeah, for them yeah. to reach, no doubt about that. I know. Um, huh. Huh. Wow. All right, oh, okay, that's right. Jackals lost two. Um said 42 and a half? Uh, 42 and a quarter? Yeah, 42 and a quarter, I believe I said. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I think they're 42 and a quarter back. Okay, so you need... So you're taking the over on it. They'll be 42 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to say more than 42 and a half behind. Okay, so... Uh, with first place, so you assume two losses to New Jersey off the bat. So that's going to knock them back to 40 and a half. That's... I don't know there. Really, it comes down to how many more wins do they have in them? And they beat Sussex, and they played Sussex tight. And I think they beat Ottawa, too. I know they beat Ottawa. Uh, I think they got two more wins in them, to be honest. So two more wins, and I feel bad taking the under, because I feel like it could very well easily be 42 and a half, and then I'm done. But that said, 
I'll take the under. I'll be optimistic about these guys. They fought hard all year. I think they got a little bit more in them. I think they got another two wins, and I think that keeps them from going over that edge. Give me the under. All right. My only thing, because yeah, my whole answer just comes down to they have those two games against the Jackals. I have to assume the Jackals can finish with them. I don't know, but um, Sussex man. Maybe not. Maybe the new. Maybe the new van. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Point is, that means they're already then forty and a half back. So we'll see. All right. We'll see. We'll see. I'll take the yeah. under. So that's that the last one you had. Yeah, that was all we had. So. That'll right. do it. My my update on this was so the we already have the existing prop bet on American Association MVP home run total, whether or not it'll be over or under twenty six and a half. All right. And Max Murphy is now twenty six. Oh, he's right at it. He's right against it. Yeah, he is. And Josh Altman's hot right now. He's at twenty three. Watch him. He's twenty four. Altman has twenty four. Twenty. Jesus. Servo's yeah, at 23, so too. Good about that one. Yeah. Did I take the over or did I take the under on that? We both said over. Okay, thank God. Yeah, sounds freaking I think good. we both also said over on Missoula going over a seven-game win streak last week, and they did got to eight before losing to Boise. Oh, thank God. You know, the six only... Props right now, you're five and one. Oh, good. Okay, we're doing pretty decent. Uh, the only thing here is, and the only way I think this goes wrong is if Chris Herman steals this. I don't think Herman has five home runs in like eight games. I don't think he has that. But No, but his numbers are disturbed. They're so good. Yeah, so that's why I see like I, there's a world in which he wins it. Yeah. No, they're definitely is. I love the way he plays. He's a fun watch. Yeah. Oh, God. But this, you should wrap this thing up, my guy. Yeah. Just, just the immediate, I feel like time <laughs> I know, yeah. But like the, the last point I have is for every case Herman has, and for every case Murphy has, Altman has a case that's just as strong. Like if you if it comes between Altman and Murphy, it's Murphy. But if it comes between like Altman and Herman, I think Altman's the better pick. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. I, I like Altman over her, uh, over Herman. I mean, the average is so hard to ignore, though. And <sighs> People who vote for MVP love average. Altman and Murphy are both in 290. He is hitting 358, at least going into today. Yeah, he's at 356. He dropped a little bit, and Altman's at 289. Oh, I mean, Brian Torres. Yeah, Brian Torres has been Damn. on fire average wise for a while. I know, while. 51 Ks and 412 plate appearances. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Yeah. Last year was good too. Just look at that. Yeah, man. Yeah, people love him. We've talked about Holy him before. God, I um, didn't realize he had nearly seventy stolen bases this year. I know, right? It's going. Yeah, um, Merrick Shalup, by the way, had a damn game the other day. I forget exactly what the box looked like, but he's been playing well. I think he's yeah. is he routinely starting for Lake Country right now? I think Probably. So. Yeah, but I like him. Yeah, Just which, while we're talking about it. Yeah, and I got one last thing to check here, being that we're still. Okay, Richard says. Mark right. Chuck, by the way, Schlupp out of the Czech Republic. Shout out. Hell yeah. Uh, Richard's uh, 69. Nice. Stolen bases right now. Nice. Oh, is he going to reach that magic number of 75? Oh, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. Hey, man, I'll go back to that, that Merrick 
uh, schlup for a third time here. Yeah. Shout out to him, by the way. College kid gets out of college playing at North Greenville this year, jumps right into the American Association, has casually 24 games going into the night, 363, 408, 681 on that slash line. That's seven homers. That's uh, that's getting it done. It's good for a one dot plus OPS, man. Nice. like that from him. So, Keep that on that guy. Yeah. You're right. So I think we should probably end this before it goes on any longer. Because already I'm looking at yep. two and a half hours of audio just to edit. So I'm probably looking at like three and a half hours of editing to do tomorrow morning. So we're yeah, looking at like a noon release for all of you Whoop. listening. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you want to do some plugs and then I could do some plugs and then we can leave. Uh, yeah, keep an eye on Indie Ball Nation on socials and YouTube. Uh, it's been a tough couple of weeks work-wise, so I've been kind of laying low, but I'm um, getting a little more frequent again on that. I have a few content things stashed. I'm coming up in a week of vacation, so I'm planning to chill and get caught up on some stuff. Also got not one, but two potentially big stories got cooking up, so they might drop as long as I can get the right sourcing on it. And um, yeah, talking a little bit of some early... Um, Organized like league shuffling, I guess, for lack of a better term, league restructuring. With uh, we're talking college football level realignment. Yeah, it is. It does have that energy. So keep an eye on that one um, for that story, and we'll see what else we can get going. These are going to leave some leagues looking like the Pac-12, and other leagues are going to feel like the ACC. And I think one, I think it's fair to say, is going to be kind of like the Big Ten. Yeah, I agree. So. But in those terms, that'll probably appeal to the Midwest demographic. They'll understand exactly what we're saying now. But, <laughs> look, you got to make it simple for them. They're common man of the land. So, you got to make okay. it simple. <laughs> You're man of the people. Exactly. See, if you want to continue to follow this Midwest slander, which is one of the things I'm very good at, you can do so at Indie Ball Pod. We really like to slander them over there, but... They honestly just I, like to be acknowledged, so that's all okay. You can keep doing it to them. Um, I'm, I'm pro flyover country, by the way. Just getting in there. Don't involve me. If you'd like to go ahead and apply to be the new co-host of this show, you can do so. We get rid of these flyover people. Um, that's fair. And, uh, yeah, you could also do that on Indie Ball Report and all the other channels or on quite literally every platform. So rate, review, subscribe. You know how to do that. So... Yeah, there's that. Normally, I'd like to do the, oh, is there anything else left to add here? But the thing is, whenever we go like two and a half hours, there just simply is nothing else left to add of substance. So until next time, don't forget to play ball.